Welcome back to the Sagacity Podcast. I am your host, The Urban Hubby, and we are going to continue on with the Manhood Episode Part 2, featuring Brother Mark Harris. Enjoy. So, it's... You gotta take stock of the kind of man that you are, honestly. And that's... And talking again about toxic masculinity, I think there's a false narrative again mm-hmm. in what a man should be. Yeah. Now, a real man knows his strengths, his weaknesses, mm-hmm. what he brings to the table. Yep. You, you talk about compliment. If you don't know, if you know, think about geometry, you know, side angle side, you know, anyway, mm-hmm. anyway, I ain't gonna go there. But if you don't know who you are, then how in the hell can you compliment someone exactly. else? Exactly. Exactly. You gotta know who you are. And we taking the time to figure out who we are mm-hmm. is complicated. Eh, and it's only complicated, and this is again, this is my opinion and perspective on it. It's only complicated if you don't actually want to do it. There you go. Or you if you're being it. forced into doing it and you just a late bloomer and you haven't come to some realizations on your own about yourself. Yes. Exactly. That takes isolation. Yes. It also takes being plunged into uncomfortable situations and being around Keyword. other people that have no problem telling you about yourself. Yes. Yes. I have a lot of dope friends. Seven. <laughs> yeah. And my definition of friend is a lot stricter than most people. Mm. You know, you know, some people are still like kids. Like, oh, everybody's my friend. They're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> friends don't ask for favors. Mm. Friends, if my daughter can stay by your house mm-hmm. and I'm comfortable with it, hey, yeah. if you've met my, you know, if you know my family, yeah, you know, there, there are a lot of folks who, you know, they don't understand what true friendship is. Yeah. Friends hold you accountable. Friends call you on your shit. If you are having issues and you're telling your boy about it, he says, dude, you're fucking up. Yeah. Go home. <laughs> you, know, you know, you're really not working overtime. Why are you telling her you're working overtime? You're just making it look suspicious. Nigga, go home. Yeah. Do some dishes. You know, get productive. Yeah. You know, stop stop looking for yes men and calling them friends and you really don't have anybody to sharpen yeah. off of. That's I'll true. put it that way. You know, I think we've both been blessed in that respect, you know, over 10 years now. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if I come to you with a concern, no matter what it is, you've called me on my shit and I hope I've done the same. You know, it's no, no, mm. no. You're and, slacking. <laughs> yeah. and, but see, but see, and the thing is, I, I want to kind of go back to something that you said, because in order to do, to become, to know who you are, mm-hmm. you have to put yourself in uncomfortable places. Mm-hmm. Human beings, and this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, put on my put professional on LPC. hat. Yeah, my LPC. Human beings are wired to avoid discomfort. Yeah. Because discomfort usually, you know, from an anthropological perspective, survival perspective, mm-hmm. discomfort equals um, a lack of safety. Mm-hmm. So we avoid discomfort 
as much as possible. Sure. Because, you know, like I said, from that survival perspective, fight, flight, freeze. Mm -hmm. If you are doing, if you're being introspective and you're trying to figure out who you are as a man, as a person, you can't fight yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't flee from yourself. Nope. And guess what? You're already froze because you ain't doing the work in the first place. Yep. So, I think that's why it's easier to take in what the world says you should be mm -hmm. than to take the time in isolation, right? Yeah. And the thing is, and, and that isolation doesn't mean that you are alone. So you can be in isolation and introspection and be in a, in a crowd, in a room full of people. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I, in the past, when in my first career, I'd have meetings. The person who was out front wasn't always the leader. I'm looking for the person who's sitting in the back of the room observing. Mm -hmm. That person who's sitting in isolation, who's taking yep. in the entire room, who is comfortable with their place mm -hmm. to where they don't have to be out front. Yeah. And that is the person who I, I may be looking to, whoever is out front, but I'm mm -hmm. speaking to the person who's sitting in the back quiet. Loudest person in the room. Is the most silent. So um, get to know yourself. Get to know who you are because if you can't if you can't be by yourself and and be comfortable by yourself then how can you possibly stand to have a partner mm -hmm. who needs you to sit back and shut the hell up and let them mm -hmm. take the stage bars I mean that's just <laughs> all truth all truth and it goes both ways it's men and women mm-hmm um, now, one thing I will say, I'm sorry uh, to cut you off. It's easier said than done. Absolutely. <laughs> if it was easy, everybody be married. Right. You know, and, and this, this isn't just limited to, you know, black women and black men or even heterosexual relationships. This is everybody. Yes. Because, I, <laughs> oh, man, I have witnessed um, two men married going through the exact same challenges mm -hmm. that other marriages have had. This is universal mm -hmm. to marriage. Toxic masculinity is broad. Yes. It's not isolated to black men. We're not the only ones with tax toxic masculinity. Hell, look at the president. Well, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. That, is, that is just like kindergarten man baby stuckness. Yeah. Like that... Like, I, like that's not even toxic masculinity. Because you talking about grabbing, grabbing folks, but that's just like that is just wrong. Yeah. Like even even a pimp, like even you know back in the seventies, slap a whole pimp ain't running up grabbing folks by the pussy, right? He, you know, he. Like, uh, come on, think about it. Them pimps back in the day, they were so smooth with it. True. The panties would drop, and they'd be on the ground before she even realized what was going on. But I digress. <laughs> 45 is, and, and I refuse to acknowledge him as anything other, or, or actually, uh, individual one. <laughs> <laughs> Who's too stupid to realize that he's individual one. Mm -hmm. um, no, I just, to, to, to lump him in as toxic masculinity, that demeans toxic masculinity because he's wow. on a whole different level with his bullshit. Wow. Seriously. I mean, it, yeah. And and because because 
now you're getting into a whole different. That's like some incestuous type shit. Yeah, he. Like, that's. That he's a special breed. The unfortunate reality that we're starting to uncover. There's a lot of him. Hmm. Mm. There, wait, a, wait. You say uncover? Because we knew it was there. Publicly, okay. uncover. All right. To the point, people have to acknowledge it. There's public conversations about it. I mean, I've worked at some pretty major corporations that have really awesome DNI initiatives, and there's what is being there's what's shared publicly, mm-hmm. and then there is what I know is happening, what other employees know is really happening mm-hmm. inside those companies, and some are doing better than others. But the issue is that all these problems still exist yeah. even after billions of dollars are invested in moving forward Mm -hmm. it's it's ingrained it is a part of the culture yes um social corporate nonprofits. it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. toxic masculinity and the impacts and and effects of it and how women have had you know you and i we talked about um uh code switching yeah you know, as black men and women, there's a lot of code switching in the office. Women, I mean, there's code switching, and then there's, I have to do what I need to do to be safe. And I can't tell my husband about this. To keep him safe. To keep him safe. I can't, I, I, I can't talk about this. I have to just eat it. Yeah. It is unbearably disturbing to have heard stories from women in the workplace over the years of the real issues that they've had to silently endure. Men must do better at several things. One, accepting the fact that a lot of us are simply assholes at some point in time. Mm accepting the fact that at some point in our lives, maybe still in our lives, toxic masculinity or the remnants of it still exist in our behavior and our interactions with women, whether we know them personally or not, mm-hmm. whether we work with them or not, whether we characterize them in a barbershop <laughs> or in private conversations over cigars, it still exists to a degree. Yeah. These are just things that we have to accept, acknowledge, and then actively work on correcting. We cannot continue to call black women our our queens and our sisters when we publicly demean them on a regular basis and then have the audacity to get upset when other cultures follow suit. The, you, we we can't we can't continue to do that. This is a, the golden rule being applied globally. Yeah, you know, I mean, <clears throat> if, and I I think for me the light bulb started to come on for me uh, when my sisters because I've got two sisters mm-hmm. um, when they reached puberty and you know they started developing and I realized wait a minute the stuff that I've been doing. Somebody may try with my sister. (laughs) So why would I continue to treat these young women 
If I wouldn't, in, a, in such a way, when I would be ready to fight somebody yeah. if they treated my sister that way. Absolutely. I think that's really and truly where the, like the light bulb came on. And when men, when they, and I think for a lot of men, that's when the light bulb comes on. When they have siblings, or mm-hmm. when they have a when they have a daughter, yeah, or a, a niece that they're um, taking close, care of. yeah, taking yeah. care of, or they're close with, or a goddaughter, mm-hmm. that's when the light bulb comes on. However, excuse me, the damage that they've left in their wake, the damage that they've left mm-hmm. in their wake, they can't go back. A lot of times, you can't go back. No, and you gotta understand if you're married. Nine times out of ten, your wife has already considered that you've been an asshole to other women (laughs) over the course of your singleness. Yeah. And has accepted you (laughs) in spite of you. Yeah. Until you do that one thing that, and I hate the word trigger, but I mean, it's about the, until you do something that triggers her. Yeah. And you wonder why she, she's pissed off and she's flipping out on you because you are acting just like that asshole. Mm-hmm. Who hurt her all those years ago? Yep. And you're supposed to be different. And that's what makes it. Di- that's what makes it hurt all the more. Yeah. Or you did something that she set in her mind mm. that he would never. That's not who he. That's not my husband. Yeah. That's not my Sheldon. That's not my Mark. Right. That no, no, no. Other men do that shit. Right. Not mine. Not my king. And you do that one thing that she has bet on, that she has talked to other women about who've been through and said, not mine. Mm-hmm. I can I can talk you through it, but I don't have that issue. Well, now she's got that issue. Yep. Because you decided to revert. <laughs> and and the thing is, and they're on the back, on the heels of that, there, there's an embarrassment that comes along with it. Huge embarrassment, and then that makes it even worse. Yeah. So if I if I can take just a minute, and on the off chance that you know, because I have an ex, mm-hmm. um, that we were riding in a car one day, something talk about something that you never thought you'd do. Mm-hmm. You know, I was raised by my mom primarily. You know, and and I would never. Oh man, I would never raise. I, even today, I'm 42 years old. There's no way I think about raising my hand and my mother. And now, back to even then, growing up, it was like you. I was raised. Men don't put their hands on women. Yep. So there was not one. Unless in, you want to die. Not unless you want to die. And in this situation, we very nearly did almost die because um, I was I was shook. And um, so anyway, we were driving down the I two eighty five in mm-hmm. Atlanta, and this young lady that I was dating, and we were having a heated discussion. And she just kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. Mm-hmm. And bruh, and and I and I, I regret this. Even I regretted it in the moment, and I regret it yet to this day. In the span of an eye, I literally like everything went black. And mm-hmm. I the only thing I recall is my arm returning to the side of my body. And I looked across at her, and she had the her eyes were the size of saucers and she was like clutching her chest and I was like what's wrong with you she was like you just hit me oh bruh and and that that yeah, but one piece to the chest from the driver's seat from the driver's seat and bruh that at that moment I was like nope this relationship is over 
because that's not me. And I, re- and I regret that to this day. And I'm not trying to excuse my actions. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I was going with that, but it felt good to share it. And hopefully somebody hears it that you're in a situation where you've laid hands on your woman. Bruh, it's time to go. A woman, a good woman will help you to be a better man. And, and thinking back on it, that's when I knew that I needed to be a better man. Mm. And she was not bringing that out in me. And I'd say about a month later, we were over. Because it just wasn't good. So you talk about toxic masculinity. No, that ain't, there was nothing, the toxic part, I was toxic. Mm-hmm. Mm. I was toxic. And, you know, I, and in this space, I know I'm sitting here with, with, a, with a man that I consider to be my brother, and I, and I am comfortable sharing that story, and I hope that somebody will take something away from it. If she was sitting here right now, what do you think she would say to you? Um, considering it's been nearly 20 years, I have absolutely no idea. Um, but one thing I would say to her, as I did, in, even in that moment, like, like I said, immediately once I kind of came to, if you will, I apologized, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we just kind of stuff. We, we continued the ride in silence. Um, but if she were sitting here now, I just, I would say to her, you know, uh, I won't use her name, mm-hmm. but um, person, you know, I am truly sorry. I have no excuse, none whatsoever for putting my hands on you. Mm. Um, that's not the man that I am, the man that I want to become, nor a man that I would accept in my home. Mm. I sincerely apologize and I wish you wish you well. And I hope that um, that another man, that you will never have a, a repeat experience. Mm. Oh, I said we was going to get down to it. Get down to it. And there, there's some. I appreciate you sharing that story. Um, you were hinted to it several years ago, but we didn't really uh, delve in, uh, into it more. Yeah. Um, so it's good to hear the full story. It's good to hear you unpack that and kind of model out for particularly the men and even some women who may have put hands on men. That does yeah. happen too. Um, but for those who can't, who couldn't keep their hands to themselves, in regardless of the situation, you gotta own it. Yeah, you gotta own it. There, there, there is no, no excuse um, that you can give. Um, none. You can, and here, here's the dangerous part about giving excuses. Mm. You cannot take away someone's ability to make a decision on their own. Mm -hmm. If you flat out apologize, ask what can you do to make the situation better, et cetera, et cetera, and leave it alone, you gotta give people time to process things. Um, You can't take away a woman's ability to make a choice. And that, to me, is at the root of toxic masculinity. You're not allowing a woman to make a choice. Mm. Um, In your case, uh, 
another 30 days, I'm sure there are a lot of interesting conversations and ultimately you made a choice. She made a choice. Um, I know folks who, after an encounter like that, they've stayed together. Yeah. They made a choice. The situation hasn't come back. <laughs> Most of <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, And, you know, but they made a choice after a lot of serious conversation. Um, I don't like when people put their own perspectives and try to force that upon others. Yeah. Um, uh, because, again, you're taking away a person's ability to make a choice on their own. You can offer perspective. That's it. Uh, and that's it. Uh, a lot of parents are really bad at doing, <laughs> <laughs> at stopping at perspective. You, you have to give people opportunity to make a decision on their own. So what you, you, can, you can't present a false narrative. You can't present yourself to be anything other, other than you are. Uh, actually, this, we, we talked about, you know, knowing thyself. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. If I can, you know, well, before, I may go ahead. Before you go too far, because you say parent, parenting. Because are you, are you talking about from the perspective of other people offering their opinions as to how you should raise your child or parents not going an ex- the extra step? I think for me now as a father of a five-year-old girl, um, there, is a, there is a balance in which I, even from now, I, I grew up in an authoritative household. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad was no joke. If there was a gold medal in ass whoopings and <laughs> belt gymnastics, <laughs> he he would have it. You know, my mother was no punk either. You know, uh, her hand her hand is still bigger than mine, and I've been palming a basketball since I was eight. Damn. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when that hand come down, boy, it's lights out. And, you know, we've had that experiences over the years. I got four brothers, man. Life was real growing mm-hmm. up. But I, I cannot repeat what I'm familiar with through my own personal experiences yeah. um, as a son and now as a, as a father. Our kids deserve an opportunity to learn and grow on their own unbiased uh, from their parents. So when I speak to, you know, parents need to get to a place where they they stop at perspectives. Mm -hmm. I share perspectives with my daughter. She speaks Mandarin. She understands extremely well. She's a brilliant girl. And we've had conversations. My wife has conversations with her every morning on the way to school and even on the way back from school. Zoe understands concepts. Mm-hmm. She understands how things work. If you take the time to share perspective, it can't just be like, I, I think I probably only told her because I said so twice, mm. literally twice, because I hate that. That's such a cop out to me. It's it's drive by parenting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I, I am in a very engaged father. I do want to make sure that toxic masculinity isn't something my daughter is accustomed to by interacting with me. Mm, Okay. The example of a man that she has should be void of toxic masculinity. Okay. 
her, she needs to be able to see that bullshit coming <laughs> <laughs> from many moons away. Yeah. And that is my job. Mm-hmm. I see it as my wife's job to guide her on how to be the best woman that she can be. And I don't believe there's, you know, a term for or anything like task toxic femininity. But, you know, because women don't women don't put men through the shit men put women through just because they want to. Women have to deal with so much generationally from men, whether it's men and uh, they're in a relationship with, uh, father-daughter relationship, spouse relationship, co-worker relationship, uh, subordinate relationship. Women have to deal with a whole lot of shit. So it's not to me, oh, you know, there, there's no balance there. Yeah. I'll put it that way. There, you know, there's Equality. toxic masculinity and then there's women having to deal with it. There is women doing right. toxic right. stuff to men, in my opinion. So it's my, I look at it as my wife's uh, role and responsibility, which she does extremely well, is to teach Zoe how to be the best little girl. Mm. The best toddler, mm-hmm. the best teenager when we get to those years, the best uh, adult, and just the best maturing woman that she can be at the, the, those um, particular milestones. Yeah, milestones in her life. I can't teach my daughter how to do that. Mm. I can teach her how men mm-hmm. are supposed to interact with her throughout those milestones. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that that that's my job. That's my mission. Um, uh, when you're discussing the dynamic of balancing husband life and fatherhood, I think that's really the gateway. How do we take the take the blinders off our kids so they can come into their own at different ages? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be restrictive. Um, to my child, also, I'm not gonna have an unruly child in my house either. I'm not, <laughs> you know, you know, I hear there, you. There, there's certain things, you know. I'm, I'm, st- I'm still, still West Indian, you know, uh, still West Indian guy. Respect is paramount. Yes. Um, I don't believe respect through fear mm. is ever the best path to go. Okay. But there needs to be an understanding of the parent-child relationship, and whether that's through conversation or other forms of discipline. I think that's an individual household. Yeah. Um, growing up, I am very aware of the line in which it turns over into being abuse. Yes. That line from during the 80s was very blurry. Cool. There are, when I look back, and a lot of us Gen Xers, when you look back on growing up, it's like, yeah, yo, that was, that was real high. close to the line. Yeah, no, there, were, no, there were times where they, where they did, where they crossed the line. Yeah, you know. And, 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 and that's just, and that's just keeping it 100. Yeah. Um, now, and, and it, I don't know if you've, if you've had this experience with, with Zoe yet, but my son, he's 12. Mm-hmm. And. And I find myself, like you, I try not to do the lazy parenting of because I said so. Mm-hmm. And because I want the discourse. I want the discussion. I want them yeah. to think That's for how themselves. However, there have been times where I have had to stop myself and say, okay, he's only doing, 
in some of the conversations that I have with him, he's only doing what you've raised him to do. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, I need you to do X. And he does X. And because I haven't taught him that then the step after, for example, taking out the trash. Okay, you took out the trash. Did you put a trash bag in? No. Why not? Because you just said to take out the trash. So, in other words, <laughs> so he's like, he's, he, he's listening. Um, but there are times like when we have some of these discussions and it's just like, son, I, I understand what you're saying. But right now you don't have the context because you're 12 to understand what I'm trying to impart to you at this particular moment. Mm-hmm. So I need you to do as I say because I said so. And I've explained, I've tried to give you the context. For example, I, we, earlier we were talking about, um, you know, the, uh, we left the Hamilton Review last night, uh, Hamilton Review last night at the Van Buren downtown. Mm-hmm. And between last night and this morning, I had one of those semi-lucid dreams um, because my son, he was afraid of, uh, of, a, of a Bruce Wayne type situation where mm-hmm. he and his mother, um, would be taken from him. So through the night, what occurred to me was it wasn't a, a theft. It wasn't a villain. It was the police. Mm. And he and I, we're out and we're, we're just going about our business. And I'm telling him, son, sit down. And this is kind of playing out in my, in my consciousness. Mm. Sit down, put your hands on the knees so that your hands are clearly visible. Mm-hmm. And I could see, and this is where this is where my fear came, because I could see him being the son that I raised him to be, to not just accept what he's being taught, what, what he's being told, mm-hmm. but to ask why, to understand. But in that situation, if we're confronted by law enforcement, there's no asking why. There is no asking why. And then to take it a step farther, it's like, you know. I'm putting myself in that situation. It's like I'm confronting law enforcement. Listen, that's my son. I told, I have raised him to do, to listen to my voice. I am the authority figure in, in his life. But there's that disconnect. There's that dissonance. Mm-hmm. Well, disconnect, not dissonance, but disconnect between how I've raised him and the reality of, listen, son, when I tell you to do something, there is a reason behind it. So anyway, like that, and that is, you may not always be given the opportunity to know what that reason is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So like that was literally the kind of that that semi lucid experience that I had, and you know it, it might be lazy parenting to say because I say because I said so, but sometimes our kids just need to shut the hell up and do as do as they're told. Because say it one I, more time for the folks in the back of the room. Sometimes our children need to shut the hell up and just do as they're told. And and but there's and there's there's a very fine line in that. Mm-hmm. You know, if like you 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 want them to be to live free. Mm-hmm. To to not just accept authority because of authority. Um, I told you I'm not going. I'm not going to share it with the podcast. But you remember I told you about my son and the mm-hmm. uh, the teacher. Oh, yeah. like, Are you arguing with me? And he said yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so in those situations, there's a, there's a right and a wrong way, and I think that is where 
the real lesson is, is knowing, is learning when to press mm-hmm. and when to withdraw. And because he's 12, he doesn't have, he hasn't had enough life experiences mm-hmm. for, uh, for me to be able to educate him on when, on when the difference between the two. This brings up a really interesting thought on duality. Okay. Because you just talked about the duality in being a parent. Mm-hmm. We discuss the duality in the workplace. Mm. Is there a duality in dealing with your spouse? What do you mean? When it comes to this is who I this is who I am, mm. but this is who I want to be, or this is how I deal with certain things. Um, as a 30-year-old, mm-hmm. well, now I'm about to be 40. Things have changed. Mm-hmm. They've shifted. There's a duality within ourselves, an ongoing duality of who we were when we actually got married, mm-hmm. uh, who who our spouse signed up with. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> you know, versus 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, even five years. Um who we're evolving into. Okay. And reconciling that when it's when it's not favorable. Okay. For example, I didn't smoke. I haven't smoked years. You know, <laughs> that was back in early nine or late nineties, early two thousands, uh doing a lot of parties, a lot of music industry work mm-hmm. um in New York and DC. <laughs> Smoke cloves, you know, the jar on blacks. Like, there was hey. nothing better to do. Hey, the jar on blacks. Those joints was, was right. I loved them. You know, little Bombay sapphires and some jar on blacks. It's a good night. So, again, had a, had a heart attack at 21. Left everything alone. Alcohol, smokes, the whole night. Um, picked up alcohol again, of course. Hey. Uh, hey. In moderation. Yeah, whiskey. Scotch, scotch, scotch. No. <laughs> Grown man drink. Yeah, yeah. 18 years or older. Um, I won't go there. Yeah. I won't just, go just, there. Just, just keep it pushing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Mute R. Kelly. No. <laughs> couldn't resist. Um, well, he couldn't either. He's been muted. Yeah. So now you get fast forward, you know, got married, didn't smoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up on six years, June uh, this year. And moving to Phoenix, I got connected with a lot of awesome dudes. And all these brothers smoke cigars. Mm. Never really had an inkling or liking for cigars. It wasn't, it wasn't my thing. Um, my dad used to smoke a pipe. Um, stopped the day I was born. Um, okay. My mom was like, yeah, 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 ain't doing that shit no more. <laughs> so, you know, he stopped smoking pipe. But it's a beautiful pipe. Yeah. And he still have it? Yeah. So we ended up, uh, went out one night, got some cigars, had some drinks. I had an amazing time. Bless you. Thank you. And it's, be, it's literally become a thing. I got a humidor at the house. Okay. Um, got a couple nice sticks that I'm trying out. Met up with a lot of awesome um, legends in, in the cigar industry. Um, found a whole lot of people I'm already cool with. Enjoy the cigars, too. My wife has smoked uh, too, especially for her birthday. She was puffing on a nice stick. <laughs> you know, it's it's become a thing that I really like and enjoy. Yeah. But again, everything in moderation. 
so every now and then I hear, you know, you smoking cigars again? Mm. You going drinking again? Mm-hmm. What about your liver? What about this? I'm like, and in my opinion, my liver now is 20 times better <laughs> than it was when I was sucking down Mad Dog 2020, Ooh, Alizé, Thunderbird, Ooh. Jim Beam, back when it wasn't good, uh, <laughs> Christian Brothers. <laughs> what was it? It was, was Alizé, that liquid crack? Uh, hypnotic? Yeah. Uh, man, it was all kind of stuff. You talking about stuff that I used to just drink? The slits, you know, Whew. on you know daily. Yeah. Used to go to work. I managed a bank. I'd go to work after being out all night, two, three in the morning, and I gotta open up the branch by seven thirty, eight in the morning. I'm slithered. And in the office all day. In the office, Door sucking floor. down coffee, right. <laughs> trying not to mess with folks' deposits. Like it, it. Those were my twenties. Yeah. I took years off mm-hmm. and cleaned my, you know, got myself back right. Uh, for some reason, saying clean myself up sounds like I was an addict or something. But you know, no shame in being an addict. Hey, you do what you got to do to get your mind right. Again, yeah. it comes back to assessing who you are. Yeah, you know. What type of woman did I want versus what type of man I was? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, at that time, hey, you, 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 your spouse is usually a mirror reflection of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So at that usually. point in my life, usually, at that point in my life, I qualified for a drunk chick who smoked, <laughs> who worked two or three jobs. <laughs> And, you know, that was my quality. You know, it was like credit. Wait, I, I, think I think that's exactly what I was thinking. When you said qualified, I'm like, like it's a bank loan. Yeah, that's what, that was what I qualified for. My eyes, silver card. My, yeah, wow. My eyes were on Black Card, Centurion Card, American Express. Wow, Centurion. You know, the heavyweight. What I qualified for. Yeah. Was a far cry from what I actually deserved. Prepaid debit, huh? Yeah, you know, you know, secured credit card. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wasn't where I needed to be to get the type of individual that I felt I deserved. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as West you say, you know, your, your eyes bigger than your stomach. You know, yeah, that's not just West Indian. Yeah, <laughs> my grandmother used to say that to me all the time. So, but yeah, you're right. You get to a place in a marriage, there's who you were when you got married, and then there's mm-hmm. who you're becoming. You're constantly evolving, constantly changing. And My wife is not 100% thrilled that I smoke cigars mm-hmm. now, and it's been about a year and a half now. I enjoy it. I got no desire to, to, to stop. I don't smoke them every day. Mm-hmm. It's like once a week, if even, you know, I don't buy cheap shit when it comes to whiskey. I'm a big Hibiki fan, Japanese, you know, if Hibiki's Suntory brands you're listening to this, I'd appreciate a bottle of that 30 plus year. Yeah, very hard to find, you know, $2,000, $3,000 bottle. You know, yeah, you know, I have a hard time drinking cheap stuff. Right. You know, wine, that's a different story. Wine always gets the job done. But whiskey, I can't, you know, you, you get to a point where you just can't do childish shit. 
Most definitely. And your palates change, your desires change, and we got into a bit of a, an argument because I, I, I just felt like it was a Saturday night, she was up working, Zoe's asleep, I'm gonna go out and go smoke. Mm-hmm. But it was like 10 o'clock at night. There was a hip hop set going on, like on a rooftop, I'm like, you know what, I could smoke a cigar and listen to some hip hop for an hour or two, bet, I'm gone. She was not happy with that. Mm. At all, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I know I didn't get you know the full brunt of her you know her frustration. She mm-hmm. just didn't feel it was right or appropriate for you know a married man to be out, uh, as you say, in the streets. Were you, you alone? Know? Yeah. Okay. It, it's it's out of character. Yeah. For who she has known me to be for these last five years. Right. Um. And they, I think they're, they're, throughout the course of relationships, there are things about individuals that change, mm-hmm. men and women. Um, pregnancy was, was difficult, and as a result, my wife rarely drinks anymore. Mm-hmm. As, we, as we like to tell it, we, we, we found out that uh, we were expecting Zoe like two or three weeks after going on a pub crawl. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good night. So, you know, we were like, oh, my God, we poisoned the baby. Da, da, da. You know, it, but before pregnancy, we would go out, we would chill, we would hang. It was yeah. beautiful. You know, we would just kick it. Yeah. And, yeah, there was alcohol involved. Post, you know, pregnancy, post baby. Now you're talking about almost three years. My wife didn't have anything to drink. Mm. You know, I joke with her now, like, hey, you're a bit of a lightweight. You know, I'd like for her to come out with like we used to do, but mm. things have changed. And there's a certain, you, you got to be okay with people changing and the circumstances you have to respect as to why those changes happen. Now, I do believe you. there is a level of responsibility in conversation. Yes. I could have had a, a much more intentional conversation saying, hey, I'm really enjoying this. I know it's out of, out of the norm. This is something that I want to do. And, you know, if y'all sleep, is always sleep or you're asleep or whatever, I just want to go and enjoy this just for me. This right. is personal. Right. Now, that could be met with... Hey, I understand, you know, go for this, let me know when you get home. Mm-hmm. Or it could be met with, hell no, da 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 yeah. And there's a fear that your spouse isn't going to accept the change that you have going on in your life. Exactly. And it's a healthy fear, but it's also a paralyzing fear if you let it. In that case, I let it be a paralyzing fear. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. I do believe you got married because you believe this person to be your best friend. You believe this person to be your confidant. You should be able to have any kind of conversation with your spouse, in my opinion, and there be some level of understanding and respect for your perspective. That doesn't happen in every marriage, and that is a challenge as people grow and develop. Now, it's one thing if, if you know, God goes, hey, you know what, 
I suddenly got a hankering for strip clubs. Nah, bro. (laughs) You may have suppressed that for the the optics of being a good husband. But if you like strip clubs, you probably should have been up front about that up front. And you could have actually found somebody who is just as interested in that as you are. Especially during the engagement phase. Yeah. Because, and so, and, and it's... You're you're absolutely right. It is, it is it is fear and things when it comes to relationships, like especially committed long term relationships. Because remember earlier I said it's not about the piece of paper; it's about mm-hmm. the commitment. Yeah, that that lifelong commitment. Now, we your our spouses they know because that we're gonna change, we're gonna grow, we're gonna have different life experiences. Mm-hmm. We are dynamic. Creatures, they know that uh, that there are going to be shifts because they're going through their own shifts. I mean, mm-hmm. just from being a single woman in a relationship to a mother, that is a huge, huge, huge shift. That respect to women, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I that is something that I will say in a heartbeat. That as men, we can never fully appreciate. Nope. But we witness it and we appreciate you for it. Absolutely. That being said. Um, women recognize that, they, that things are going to change. Uh, however, I think it's one of those things where it's like when it comes to uh, shifts that come maybe not necessarily out of the blue, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, a one-time thing, it's like, okay, yeah, it's a special occasion, no big deal. But if, when it starts to become regular, yeah, I think the tendency is then to stretch it out to worst case scenario. Um, (laughs) And, and a lot of, a lot of our partners are a lot of our, yeah. Cause, cause I mean, this can go, you know, in any, in any relationship, Mm -hmm. Um, they, our partners take things to the extreme because they know our history. You know, for example, in my family, I have my, (laughs) a a famous phrase in, in my family is I'm not a drunk. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a drunk. Alcoholics got to go to them damn meetings. Wow. Right. <laughs> so that's you know, and hell, I I was eight years old. You know, my grandfather had a bar in the basement. I'm eight years, eight, ten years old, mixing drinks. That's just my mm. family. So and my and I alcoholism is a very real thing. So when I drink, it's one of those things where in my in the back of my wife's mind, she's thinking, okay, worst case scenario, what's gonna happen? Mm. And so she carries that out. So yeah, that she can accept and, and know that that I'm going to change and I'm going to evolve, but it's her nature. Well, it's I'm sorry, our partner's nature. Yeah, I was thinking about my yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah. But her nature too, okay, let's take let's carry this to worst case scenario. Yeah. I don't want an alcoholic for a husband. Nope, and she has every no. right to have that expectation. Absolutely. And I think, and that's where the conversation, that's where the discussion comes. And and again, we have to be comfortable sharing with our partner. And a lot of times, it's not, as my mother used to say, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. My mother used to tell me, watch your tone, watch your tone. I didn't understand what the hell tone was until I had a kid of my own. Mm. <laughs> and it's no, no. The it's, fuck? yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah, and, and it's just like it's just something mm. about it. It, 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 yeah. Anyway, um, when you try to have those discussions, there because 
our partners have they've looked into the future and they they're seeing the worst case scenario. They are trying to bring their fears and their concerns to us in the present moment, and we're we're in the present. Mm-hmm. We're looking at it as okay, what is what's the big deal that you know I want to have a drink, you know uh, I want to keep a case of Corona in or a case of Heineken in the in the fridge outside. Mm-hmm. That's what we see. They see that case of Corona or that case of Heineken is gone in a week. And then there's another one. And then that one's gone in five days. And they, so, and the thing is, they're, they, when they come to us, they're coming from that place of in the being in the future. Mm-hmm. And we can't, and, and that's where things don't line up. And if we can get things to line up, it will, the conversations will go a hell of a lot better. Uh, you you but, ain't lying. And so when you talk about duality, a lot of times, yeah, we are, we are, it's, I don't think it's a matter of necessarily duality. I think it is rec- ha- maintaining the relationship, the relationship that was, that, that we had during the dating stage mm-hmm. that grew during engagement. People, once that, once people put that ring on, they think, that the relationship building stops. Or mm. it may not necessarily that they think that the relationship building stops, but they stop working at the relationship. Yeah. And the fact yeah. is you have to continue to grow that relationship. You know, uh, it was the phrase, you gotta, uh, you gotta, women, they tell women, oh, you gotta, you gotta keep doing whatever you did to get them. Eh, that's not necessarily the case. It's, a, it, you gotta continue to grow the relationship. And this, and this is not just women, but, um, it, it, cause it's, it's both parties. You gotta continue to put in the work and get to know your partner because when your partner has a bad day at work, that is going to impact your relationship when they come home. Mm-hmm. And if you are thinking that your partner is the same person that left that morning and you're not willing to listen to whatever it is that they experienced during their day at work, you have shut down communication. You have shut down. You've stopped learning your partner. And that was some of the best advice I ever got um, mm. when, when we were first married. Learn your partner. Learn your wife. Learn because... And, and, it, and it's continuing. As a professional, I have to have continuing education. Same here. In order to maintain my license. Same. Um, so why wouldn't, if I'm going to do that in a professional setting, why wouldn't I do that in, in my personal setting? Mm. I have to do continuing education and learn my wife. So the, the whole conversation of duality, it's not a matter of, you know, of, of you being or presenting something that's not true. It's a matter that you grew. Assuming, assuming it is true growth and not, as you said, the guy, who, the person who enjoys going to the strip club and they suppressed it. Yeah. That's two different things. Yeah. You know, my dad always said, you can't play charades forever. Oh, my God. And. Oh, my God. The context in which he said that, you know, my parents were divorced back um, late 90s and it was. You get to a place where if there's if you're not recognizing mm-hmm. that your spouse is growing, mm-hmm. exactly that their interests are changing, and they're expressing that to you, and there's nothing, there's no acknowledgement or yeah. acceptance. Yeah, um, everything's a, a combative conversation. People are only going to deal with that for so, so long. long. Yeah. Um, and they shouldn't have to put up with it. Yeah. You know, people talk about living their best life, but you have folks in marriages that are 
enduring great amounts of unhappiness. Yes. For months, for years, and <clears throat> they put it off. Oh, you know, I'm staying in it for the kids. I'm staying in it for you know. <laughs> that is the biggest fallacy. Yeah, it's like you're not staying in it for the kids. You're staying in because you're scared to move on. You're scared of what's on the other side of that divorce session. And you're embarrassed about uh, yeah. being considered a failure. Yeah. If anything, I learned from the first time I got married wasn't so much about what I'm willing to accept, mm. but what I'm not willing to accept. Yes. By nature, I'm, 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 a, I'm a servant leader. I'm a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure people are good yes. around me. You know, if we're in a, a relationship, if we're, if we're married, we're in love, I want to make sure you have what you need to be at peace, to be successful no matter what. Mm-hmm. I'll do what I got to do if it's work several jobs if it's you know hell i drove lift <laughs> yeah you know you do whatever you gotta do to make sure your household and your spouse are good yes then kids yes because if your spouse ain't good yep your household ain't good mm-hmm. the, the kids eventually gonna you know They're, if you do your job well the kids will leave and <laughs> it was uh, just recently they tried to come for aisha curry because that's exactly what she said she places her husband in front of the kids. Yeah, kids. How the hell you think the kids got here? Exactly, man. So it's like, I got I got wild issues with folks that want to use their kids as the primary focal point of their marriage. I'm like, well, your marriage is doomed to fail. Yes. If everything is about the kids mm-hmm. and not about your spouse, you're doomed. That because. People are only going to deal with playing second fiddle to something they helped create. Mm. Why do you think? Oh, yeah, we're about to get on God, but yeah. you know, a man, <laughs> a man cannot serve two masters. Yeah. So I'm supposed to be out here and doing everything that I can to make sure you and these kids are straight. Emphasis yes. on you as a spouse. But I play second fiddle to kids. And this isn't my household. I'm just paraphrasing. Yeah. So, you know, my, my wife, you know, me, Zoe, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, and it's a, in, my, in our opinion, that's how life is supposed to be when you're talking about being a family. Yes. You can't put the kids first. Naturally, you're going to do whatever you got to do to make sure your kids eat. Yes. They're bathed. Yes. You know, you turn the water on, it works. Basic, basic <laughs> yeah. needs are met. Basic needs. Not wants. Needs. My dad was very clear on, Keyword. my job is to make sure you have everything you need to be successful as an adult yes. and to have an enjoyable childhood. Cell phone, Fuck what you want. Cell phone is not a need. No. Let me just be very clear with that. No, we didn't get cell phones until our senior year of high school, and those were OmniPoint flip phones. Mm. You know, <laughs> not even StarTax. <laughs> <laughs> our logo was a parrot. You know, it's like wow. we, my dad did an amazing job of making sure we had what we needed, and the I, I, I just find too many folks their their focus is on the kids. Everything is about the kids mm-hmm. to their. To the point where they'll stay in an unhealthy relationship um, for decades 
And the hope is that oh, you know, as soon as they're off to college, then you know, we'll 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 do what we do. Bullshit. And Damn. that might be the best case for some relationships, but it's absolutely not the best possibility for all. Mm-hmm. At some point, your own peace. I say all this to say this. At some point, marriage. Yes, it is a selfless act. You're constantly doing all you can to take care of your spouse, to uplift your spouse, to support your spouse. Mm -hmm. To the point that people forget to take care of themselves, Mm -hmm. the hope is that your spouse got you. Right. The reality is your spouse is an individual also. Yes. My wife goes through tumultuous issues. I remember when um, Zoe was uh, first born. Being in Portland, you know, nursing or breastfeeding is like, if, if you're not doing that, you're like outcasted. It's like scarlet letter shit in Portland. It's, it's absolutely it. unbelievable how savage some of these women can be to other women. Mm-hmm. Not take into account any challenges or situations that are going on. And, you know, we had a difficult time at first and eventually things started moving because Zoe was born early. Yeah. So that hit my wife extremely hard. Very much. Having to, you know, I just pushed this baby out and I can't feed mm-hmm. my own child. Mm-hmm. That hurt me. I went or left the room to go cry down the hall because I got to be strong for my wife. She's crying. We can't both be sitting there sobbing and crying in the room. Well, you know, it, I say, I, to that, I say, why not? I agree. Why not? But, so, in but the your, moment, your I was like, yeah. But she was really struggling with that, and I'm doing my best to be there for her. Yeah. And that was, that was difficult. Um, being a mom has its own challenges. Your body has gone through unbelievable changes. Um, right. In some cases, damages. You know. Right. And she's, you know, still back issues from, from that. You know, it... You have to... As a uh, as a married individual, you've got to reserve some selfishness to take care of you, mm-hmm. because there's going to be days, and we've had them. I go to work, I am barraged, I'm bombarded, I'm lambasted, I am insulted, I'm disrespected. Yeah, I don't have shit to give you when I get home. Right. It's not on a regular basis, but there has been some days I get off the plane, I come home. And I literally sit in the driveway like I got to figure out a, somehow to get some energy yeah. and to get some some positivity right. in my system yeah. so that I can go and not tear down the mood in the house. And that has happened yeah. because at some point I'm going to go into the house. My wife's going to be happy. Zoe's going to be happy. Everybody's going to be happy. And I'm just going to be like, fuck all of this mm-hmm. because of the day that I had. And it's not anything that they did, right. but I can't be the one to tear down what they have in the house. All this, a long day anticipation. Oh, daddy's coming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And daddy comes in like an asshole. And now I'm, I'm, I'm in the doghouse for a week <laughs> because <laughs> of my mood. At some point, you have to creatively find a time to be selfish, to l- take care of yourself and, you know, get yourself back right. Now, whether that's meditation, that's prayer, 
that is having conversations with good brothers like yourself, mm-hmm. um, go get a massage. You oh, know, did, go get manicure or pedicure. Yeah, like go do something selfish. Go yeah. do something for yourself to keep your positivity levels up because you got to be there for your household. That's a part of just being married. A, a good husband and a good father. Absolutely. Um, and and most definitely. And it, one of the things I want to say that I'd like to say is is that when when you and your partner are in sync. Mm-hmm. She, or yeah, well, in this particular situation, you know, uh, when you guys are in sync, you walk through that door. They know, mm-hmm. they know that something is off. And and when you are, when the, in my opinion, when the relationship is healthy, they pick up on it, and they that's when the the strength of the relationship is is tested and 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 demonstrated to be. To, 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 to be healthy where it's like you know what I got you. Mm-hmm. you 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 had a bad day we can't talk about it because we have to we have to be parents right now mm-hmm. and and protect our little one from the from the, the realities BS of life yep. yeah of adulthood of adulthood so I got you and that and, and I'm telling you it and, and the thing is it's not a one-sided thing because no. we need to be in tune to our spouses to know when they've had a bad day when it's like you know what I'm gonna suck it up right now yeah because the reality is I could have had a bad day at work yep and I messes Monique let her know hey <coughs> how you doing I'm, I'm headed home I'll be there in about an hour mm-hmm. do I need to pick up something yeah. on the way home yep and she's just like I only have the energy to cook you know just, just pick up whatever mm-hmm. and then I get a phone call like three minutes later. Let me tell you about this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. now I get to hear about her day and how bad it was. Yeah. And uh, bro- brothers, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brothers, when she starts, shut up. Yep. Don't try to fix it. Just listen. Just listen. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I knew, I knew where you were going with it. You're absolutely right. Sometimes just gotta say, "What? Really? That Man, heifer? That bitch said what? You know? <laughs> you got to and pay, be and pay attention, even when you've had the same old or similar experience yourself in the last twelve hours. Right. That's not the time to bring up your shit. Not at all. Talk, talking from experience. Yep. Gotta be like, "Man, that sounds crazy." This is what happened to me. Right. No. <laughs> Don't do it. There will be a time, or there probably won't be a time, mm-hmm. in which you can unpack your day. Mm-hmm. And it's going to feel unfair. You know, I remember being at a, 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 a bank manager, and I had t- two folks, they lived upstairs, and they, got, they were dating, but they lived together. Got into a heated argument, but they both had a joint account. Uh-oh. One came downstairs, Uh-oh. Uh, cleaned out the bank account. Two hours later, the other one comes downstairs. What happened to the money? Uh, there was a withdrawal made <laughs> about two hours ago. Well, how did you let that happen? Then it was like, hey, whoever makes it to the bank first wins when it comes to a joint account. You know, something to really consider, you right. know, when it comes to, you know, your finances. But as it relates to a relationship, it, sometimes it's just that simple. Yeah. Who called who first to vent? Yes. 
Well, and, I, we got. I got into. Uh, uh, there was one point I got. We we finished up with Mo, uh, with what Monique was going on. She was feeling better. It's like cool, cool, cool. We hung up. I called back. <laughs> right. I was like, "Yo, let me tell you about this crazy shit that happened." And she's now in a place where she felt heard and listened to, and now she yes. can receive and hear from me. You know, yep. I had a long ride home. We can do that. Yeah. But that's not gonna always be the case. Sometimes, as a as a husband and a father, as a man. You just got to suck up your shit. It's not, you could say it's not fair, but we don't have to go through pregnancy. Now that is, whoa, whoa. Say that, you, say that last one. You could say it's not fair, but we don't have to go through pregnancy. Bruh. You could say it's not fair, we don't have periods every month. Bruh. You could say it's not fair, we don't have to deal with toxic masculinity. And that's exactly, that, I'm glad, bro, I'm just telling you, the masculinity says that you are comfortable enough to put yourself aside. Because I think, in my opinion, that's what true manhood is. Mm-hmm. Is and, and, and not even doing it from a perspective of looking for something on the back end. Mm-hmm. They, society says that women are the nurturers and the caregivers. That, you know, depending on your perspective, because I also think that men, I believe that men are nurturers and caregivers. Absolutely. We just do it in a different way. Mm-hmm. We protect, and if if if, and that's nurturing. Yeah. And if you take the time to listen to what she has to say, you are protecting your home. You're protecting your your yourself, your relation, your, your relationship. Mm-hmm. That is protection. Yeah. And man, I'm so true. much more than being a provider. So much more. So much more. Um. This has been fun, bro. Yeah. This has been a ton of fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else we got? Or are, I, are we, we getting to the end? I, th- I think we're about there, man. <laughs> <laughs> this has been... Uh, we, we done went to Zamunda, stopped off in Wakanda, and now, yeah. you know, Warriors and Kings, man. This has been an awesome conversation. I sincerely appreciate you. My pleasure. Um, I appreciate you asking. For your brotherhood. Um for being a great example of a father and a husband through all the you know ups and downs, all the challenges, and I know I you know that. just out of respect, you don't we don't talk about everything, mm-hmm. you know. So for the things known and unknown, you know, you still manage to be just just an awesome dude. I appreciate. So that. I sincerely appreciate you, man. Thank you, Bailey. Um, anything Same. you'd like to share? Closing remarks. Same. Um, <clears throat> I, I, you know, <laughs> if you hadn't asked, I might have been able to say something. Uh, but first, I just start by thank you for. I know when you first presented the idea, um, I, I, you know, you asked me, and it's an honor because um, sometimes it takes another man to see something in you that you don't see in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, your your spouse, she can she can speak mm-hmm. to certain things, and doesn't take anything away from her. But sometimes you need that outside perspective because that's your spouse, that's your loved one. Do mm-hmm. you need somebody outside to see something in you that you that you can't see in yourself? And I appreciate you doing that for me, uh, especially when you asked me to to partake it, to undergo this uh, particular pleasure, adventure man. with My you. My pleasure. Um, and you know, don't sell yourself short. You know, you there are a good man will 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 find. Um, will find uh, 
or some uh, lessons will learn from other men. It's not about. It's not a matter of age. It's a matter of respect, and I respect you wholeheartedly. I expect. I respect your hustle, and and I, I look up to you uh, in oh, a lot man. of ways. Okay. Thank you. Um, Thank and you. I'm not sure if I've ever actually said it in those particular words, but I do. Um, that's why I come to you like, hey, Sheldon, this is what I'm thinking about, and you know, with this, what do you think? And uh, and I appreciate your your willingness um, to to share your wisdom. Um, and that's you know that's I believe the the heart of of true friendship. Um, if I could leave anything, if I could say one last thing mm -hmm. uh, to the people. Um, you know, yeah, we're right now we're in the whole hashtag Me Too. We're in this talking about toxic masculinity. You know, when I think about life, sometimes I go back to the uh, the sandbox. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you're nice to me. I'm nice to you. Um, we just we need to be kinder to one another. We need to um, we just need to recognize that that person who's sitting across from us. Uh, they're a human being and they they need and deserve respect just like you um we talked about uh femininity i as a part of my master's i had to study feminism uh and what i really took away from that at the heart of feminism is equality and uh, because when you if we were to really and truly peel back the primary organ of the body which is our skin we peel mm -hmm. back the skin muscle it muscle, sinew, bone, it's all the same. Yeah. Um, and that might be unpopular to some woke folks out there, but you know, we until we can truly see one another as human beings and respect the culture, respect our life experiences, because that's what culture basically comes down to is life experiences. That's right. Until we respect one another's life experiences and appreciate those life experiences, we're going to continue to have problems, um, which is why I look wholeheartedly to um, to heaven, you know, because when we get there, none of this stuff that we're dealing with down here is going to matter. Right. So um, be kind to one another, you know, um, love your love those who love you, um, and time out for the bull, for the BS. Like, you got it right. Time out for the bullshit, man. You know, life isn't short. Life's long. And the decisions that we make, they stick with us mm -hmm. uh, beyond the grave. So make better choices. Uh, love more. Appreciate yourself more. Um, and again, sandbox. Just more, more kindness, man. So I sincerely appreciate you coming out, brother, again. My pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen. Brother Mark Harris, you will see him in the upcoming Coming to America 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got to talk about that too. That, yeah, we'll talk about that out later. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. This is Sagacity Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, check us out, Sagacity Pod, on Instagram. We're still debating on Facebook. I don't know if I want to do that just yet, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. But also check us out, sagacitypod.com. Keep up with our episodes there. We love you. We appreciate you. Enjoy your day.